Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Okay, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 14. We're, this morning we are digging into verses 26 through half of, chat, or half of verse 33. Now, this morning I was planning on going through the end of the chapter, however... However, in verse 34, in verse 34, it says this in, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. He says, As in all, the church, in, all, in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. Now, I'm not going there today, okay? <laughs> I'm not going there today. I, I didn't have enough time. And I feel like we read that and we're like, oh my goodness. And it's challenging because we read some things in scriptures that appear to be pretty clear. And yet, we, we read that and think, he can't, he can't really mean what, he's, what he says there. So what do we do with, with passages in scripture that we read that we say, you know what, I don't see this happening in, a, in, in, any, in any church. And, and what do we do with that? How do we approach scripture when we see things that maybe appear to be in contradiction Right, we just read that, and there's people, women talking in the church. What do we do about that? So we, I want to s- spend some time unpacking that. And I don't want to do that in a way that's just kind of rushed and kind of run through. Now, I will say this, though, just so kind of put people at ease. He says that, but in, in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about women praying and prophesying during the service. So he can't, he can't mean what, he, what we maybe it's clear that we think what he says in verse 34 if he says what he says in chapter 11. So as you can see, he's, he's giving an allowance for women to pray and prophesy in church, so he can't possibly mean what we think it means. So you have to hold on for another week or two, okay? We'll get there. We will talk about that. This is important. That's why, that's why it's hard to preach through whole books of the Bible sometimes because we run into things like this that are harder to digest and really understand. But... God's word is clear, and it allows us to move forward in faith. And I believe, as a church, this will strengthen us. I really don't think, yeah. So all I have to say, we'll get there. We'll get there later. Okay, I can't go there today. I don't have time to do that this morning, but we will get there. Okay. All right. First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verses thirty-three, or I'm sorry, verse twenty-six through thirty-three. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, then, then let each of them keep silent in, the, in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and that all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Lord, as we approach your word, and I know we've, we've spoken a little bit earlier 
um, just in length, God, but we pray right now that you would give us a heart, Lord, that would, would be fixed upon you, Lord. We ask that you would help us to understand your word, that you would give us the gift of faith to be able to receive your word. And God, I ask that you would give us as a church a response, Lord, that we wouldn't just casually approach you, but that we, O oh God, would recognize our place before you. And Lord, submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to you. Lord, for you are worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship, all of our life. God, we lay it before you now. God, we ask that you would continue to please speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. So, he begins to talk about the practical consideration of the spiritual gifts. And in in this small section, we maybe get one of the few almost windows into what first century church life might have been like. And we see a couple of things taking place as we read this section of Scripture and what the church could have looked like and what was happening in the church at the time. First thing we see is this. There's lots of freedom in the church. Tons of freedom in the church. There's people praying, prophesying, many people at the same time. I mean, this is going on all over the place. There's all kinds of stuff happening in the service. We also see this, that there was lots of contribution. This, there, this was not a church where, you know, the, the few professionals are going to do the ministry. This is a church where many people coming from all different walks of life, all different seasons of life, are coming forward and bringing what their gifting and their, their service to the church, and it's being valued and encouraged and, and, and strengthening the church. All kinds of contributions from people. And lastly, it was a bit chaotic, right? It's a bit chaotic in this service. And that's why Paul is trying to straighten some things out. Now, he's not necessarily against the chaos, per se, or the people, many people bringing their gifts to the, of service to the church, but he wants things to be done in order. And so he's trying to help the church straighten some things out. And what I love about what Paul says in, the, in, these, in this section, he's not trying to get people to just be quiet, like, hey, look, Tell the church just to sit tight, be quiet, because there's a few people who do know what they're doing, and we'll let them do the, the heavy lifting, and everyone else just, just sit still and be quiet. No, he's, he never says that anywhere. He's actively encouraging the church to participate in what's going on during the service. Now, there's a few things I want to pull out of this, this section. The first thing is this, is for us to be ready. For us to be ready, all right? That we would come ready to participate, not to spectate, okay? He says in verse 26, each one, each one, not just men, men and women, not just adults. This is for everybody, kids, adults, men, women, old, young, rich, poor, doesn't matter. He says, look, I want each one to bring a hymn a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. This isn't an exhaustive list. He's making this, like, look, I want you to come ready to participate in what's, what's happening and what's going on. I want you to be thoughtful of what's going on. And what he's doing in this, he's, he's confronting for us, he's confronting for us as, as the American church, who we are in our culture, uh, a bit of a self-serving tendency to approach things with this question of what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? 
How does it benefit me? He's saying, look, look, I want you to come in a way that says, how can I, with who I am, with the way God's made me, how can I approach things with this attitude of saying, how can I bless? How can I serve? How can I encourage? I wouldn't just just show up to church. I wouldn't just show up to the meeting. I wouldn't show up to the gathering. That would come ready, prepared, have thought through things, prepared myself so I can bless and benefit other people. Not too long ago, uh, we were the recipients of another family in the church, uh, brought us some movie passes, some popcorn, some candy, and for no reason at all. There was no, there wasn't like a special movie that came out or anything like that. They just wanted to bless us. And of all the things that this in particular family could have spent their, their money, their time, their energy on, they decided that, that we would, they would spend their time and energy blessing and caring for us in just a little way. Now, I love candy. I love popcorn. I love movies. It was a real blessing. And as much of a blessing the, the stuff was, the fact that they had thought about us meant almost more than what we received. The fact that out of all the things that the time and energy and money could have been spent on, that they thought about us. They considered us. There, there, was, there was a sense of, hey, we're going to take what we have and we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to care for another family in the church. It was an incredible blessing. But the point of, of reading this is, is considering that God has called you and I God has called you and I in, in this context of this church family that we would see ourselves as not just the people who, who kind of show up and, part, and just kind of, kind of just take in what's happening around us, but that God would use each one of us as he's equipped us with, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, equipped with the Holy Spirit, that, he, that he, would, he would give us a ministry to care for and bless and serve one another. And it's not just from the front either. It doesn't have to just be a, a pulpit or a stage ministry. Most of the ministry in this church, to be honest with you, happens in the back, not from the front. And I love that about this church. And one of the, one of the things, that, as I, I brought a, uh, someone in here to help kind of sort through the, the, you know, how do we fit more people in this church, I said, well, let's take let's move out all the stuff in the back and just put chairs all the way to the back wall. And I said, we'd never do that because the ministry of this church doesn't happen just from the front. It happens in the back. People are talking and praying for one another and sharing scriptures with one another and, 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 and being able to d- discuss and dialogue about what's going on in their lives. That's where the real ministry happens. That's what the Apostle Paul is encouraging for us to do. He's saying, look, come ready to serve. Give some forethought some time, some initiation to, to consider how can I come and bring something that would serve and bless another person? Whether that's a scripture verse or just a word of encouragement or an exhortation to somebody, this is not a church where it's ministry done by professionals. We never want that to be the case. This is a church where you and I together as family that we could bring the hope and message of Jesus Christ to each other in all the different contexts of which we meet. Whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether it's in a life share group, which is hanging out for 
for lunch afterwards, that's where the life of the church happens. And that's, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul, I believe, is encouraging in this. Each one come ready. Each one be ready to bring what God's given you, to go forward. And really, what this does is this reflects, this reflects the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who came as a servant, laid his life down, died for our sins on the cross, rose again, caring for, ministering to, blessing each one of us, offering himself to us. That is the ministry of Jesus Christ being carried forth through you and I. But the thing is, we've got to come ready. This is an invitation for us. This is an invitation for you and I to participate in the life that God has called, you, called us to. It doesn't happen, it have to happen from the front. Come ready. Pray ahead. Ask the Lord for a word. Ask the Lord for, an, for, for spiritual gifts. Ask the Lord for a verse to share with someone else. Please do this. This is what the Apostle Paul... What, so what does this look like practically? Someone came up to me, you know, a couple, a couple months ago and said, you know what? I... I had a dream about you, and I was just concerned because in the dream you were, you know, I saw you being attacked by something. I just want to, pray, I'm praying for you. I don't know if there's anything going on in your life right now. And it just it encouraged me because I thought, here's someone who's care enough about me. Just one say, like, I had a dream about you. Like, well, what's that all about? You know, like, hey, and I'm praying for you. And I want you to know, I don't know what's going on, but I want you to just be in prayer. And I'm like, thank you, Lord for people who are praying for me. I also had, you know, I remember one time um, Liz Griffin's mom, who recently passed away, she'd come visit the church every once in a while when they were in town. And I'd see Liz's mom, and she was, I don't know how old she was, she was probably in her 70s or 80s. And she'd look at me and she'd say, you know what, I pray for you every day. I thought, I don't even I don't really know you. I met you a couple times, and you're praying for me every single day. That brought such encouragement to me, just to know that she's praying for me. She came with, a, she came with encouragement for me. I got, a, I got a little card in the mail from, from Lynn Rhodes, just saying, hey, I'm just praying for you guys. Thank you for what you're doing. It's just a simple card. I thought it, it, it blesses, it, it strengthens, it encourages brings life. When you make a meal for someone, after they have a baby or they have surgery or something, that is a way in which we can encourage one another, to help one another. Sharing a scripture with someone, it blesses and encourages. And, and who's going to do that? You and I are going to do that. You and I are going to do this. We're going to come ready. And the effect, the Apostle Paul talks about the effect on the church is this. It builds up, it strengthens, and it helps. That's what it does. So, now, let's move on. Because he doesn't just talk about, you know, being ready to come to serve. He also talks about the building up of the church and the importance of it. Now, we've talked about this quite a bit in the past few weeks, so I'm just going to go through this quickly. But he talks now about the building up. Because he, again, he talks about that in verse 26, for the building up. Okay? And so what, he wa- he, what he's doing now is he, he's giving a plan of action to go forth in the church for the building up and the strengthening. And he says, look, man, if everyone is speaking in tongues at the same time, people are praying all at the same time, and people are doing a bunch of stuff all at the same time, we can't make heads or tails of what's going on. 
we don't know who's praying for what and who, we, when we should say amen to anything. We don't know if there's an interpretation happening. It's just, it's, it's chaos. Um, and in verse 31, he talks about it. His heart is that the church would be encouraged and learn from what's being spoken during the Sunday morning or whenever they're meeting during that time. Now, a few years ago, Brian uh, Hogwarts and I had an opportunity to go to Zimbabwe. And the, our, our brothers and sisters in the, in the Zimbabwe church are just beautiful, wonderful people who just treasure Jesus more than we could ever imagine. We actually had um, Silent here a, a year ago, and he shared with us some of the things that God's doing in our church. But one of the things that really struck me with the services in Zimbabwe, be, besides the fact they were like four or five hours long, right, was their fervency in prayer. When it is time to pray at church, and they spend time in prayer, long times in prayer at church, man, it is all hands on deck. It is, we are all praying all at the same time and crying out to Jesus. It's not some quiet kind of sit with your hands folded, and, you know, in your seat quietly, you know, saying a few things. Man, this is full, full engagement with, in prayer, and it is absolutely beautiful. Now, if it only stayed at that level, where everyone's just all praying at the same time for, for long periods of time, you wouldn't really know what's going on. And, and thank goodness, at some point in time, someone would come up to the front and begin to pray, and everyone else would, would, would quiet down, and that person would then lead. And then at that point, we're all able then to say, Amen, we agree, this is good, we're praying with you in this. And it doesn't stay at that level, all, as beautiful as it was. It was wonderful. But in the same way, what, what we want, what we desire to see is that there would, be, there would be moments in time during the church service where we could say amen to it, where we could understand what's being, what's, what's being spoken, where we can all agree together that this is what God's doing. So part of that, though, is, and this is from time to time, I'll get people who come to me and ask to, um, to, to help serve the church in certain ways. And usually people from outside the church will come in and say, hey, look, I'd like to lead worship for the church. I'd like to do, um, like to speak about this particular topic at your church. I'd, I'd like to present something at the church. And, and what the Apostle Paul is getting at in this is that it, it has got to be, in the way in which we exercise our gifts, it's got to be beneficial to the rest of the body. It's got to benefit everyone else. It's not just that it's clear, but it's got to be beneficial as well. And a, a few, maybe a year ago, I had an email from someone. And in the email, this person said, hey, I know at Mercy Hill, uh, you know, he, and as, as this person began to describe our church, it felt like he knew our church. And I'd like to, I'd like to have a, a statue of Jesus give, or to go up at Mercy Hill a life-size statue of Jesus, and we're going to, you can put it outside, and people can see the statue of Jesus, and, you know, and it, it, it so struck me, because we, I get, like I said, I get something like that all the time, people ask about stuff, and usually it's like, I just completely forget it, but this guy spoke in such a way that I thought, you know what, this guy clearly, he, he must have gone to church here or something, and he wants, it sounds like he wants to give us a Jesus statue, which is odd, because that's something we'd never do here, 
But I emailed the guy back. I'm like, hey, have you gone to church here? Do you know us? And, and what's the deal with wanting to give us a Jesus statue? It, just, it was intriguing to me. So I follow up with the guy. Now, what do you think a Jesus statue would cost? What, what, would, what, would, you, what would a church reasonably pay for a metal statue of Jesus? Right? All right, whatever that number is, okay, just hold that thought. So he begins to tell me, you know what? I actually, I've never been to your church, but I make metal statues of Jesus, right? Now, I wasn't about to say, hey, you know what? You should really read, you know, the Ten Commandments. Number two talks about making graven images, you know, but forget that, okay, whatever. Um, He wanted to sell Mercy Hill a Jesus statue for $30,000. Now, look, I haven't priced out statues lately, but man, that seems really expensive. And if you know anything about this church, you know we are not going to spend $30,000 on a Jesus statue, okay? It's just not, we're never going to do that, all right? We might as well go to two services, okay? So we're, we're not going there with a the Jesus statue. But the thing was, he wasn't considering how beneficial it would be for the people. He just wanted to get something from us, right? He wasn't thinking, he wasn't really thinking, wow, this would be a blessing to you guys because I know Mercy Hill and I, I know the, the passions of the people and they, everyone there loves statues and they love Jesus statues and we needed more Jesus statues at Mercy Hill. He's not thinking that. He doesn't know that. And what he's doing, he's coming at, he's coming at it with, this, with a sense of, hey, I want to unload a really expensive statue on this church and hopefully someone will buy it for me, buy it from me, you know. Is this a benefit to you, or is this really a benefit for Mercy Hill? And in so, like, building up the church, it's got to be clear in what we say and how we minister to one another, first and foremost. But secondly, it's got to be with the consideration of how does this affect the people around me? Is this going to be a benefit to people? Is this going to help and serve and encourage one another? A Jesus statue, I don't believe, would do that. And therefore, we don't want it. We're not going to do that. And so it builds up the church when it's clear and when it's, when it's useful and helpful and serves one another. Lastly, he talks about in this section about being reflective. Being reflective. Verse 33, it says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God's not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. Now, what he's getting at here is the very nature of God himself. This is who God is. He is a God of peace. He's a God of order. All you need to do is read the creation account. You can see that God is a God of order. He's a God of peace. He's a God of control. He's not out of control. This is who God is. And now the Apostle Paul, as he writes his letter, ups the ante for the church because now he's saying, look, I want the way in which you use the gifts, I want it to be helpful. I want it to come prepared. I want it to be helpful to build up. But now use the gifts in such a way that it begins to reflect the very care and concern and peace of God in your midst. The way in which we use our gifts, the way in which we care for one another, has the opportunity to reflect God himself. And just as we want to carry on the ministry of Jesus, the way in which we do that can reflect who God is and what he's like. 
If someone were to come in here and there's chaos going on and people speaking all over the place and no one knows who's praying or who's prophesying or if someone's given a tongue or to speak in a different language or who knows what's going on here, it's a God of confusion and chaos. What does that reflect what God's like? A few years ago, Michelle was, Michelle was at Target and she's, she's getting ready to check out and in the Target line there was... Uh, a parent and a kid, and it was battle royal. And we've all been there, right? There, there, we've all been at the place where, man, you're at the supermarket, and there's a meltdown, and there's no controlling it, and you don't know what to do, and it's, it, and it's, it's ugly, and you just want to get out there as fast as you can. So we've all been there. That's not, that's not unique for anybody. That's, that's, hap- that's common for all of us. But this in particular parent was was beginning to start making threats towards the kid. You know, they, they, said, they said things like, I'm going to put soap in your eyes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you when we get home. And, and it was just terrifying. Michelle said, as she's waiting in line behind this lady, hearing these threats and this, this terribleness that was being said to these kids, and these kids talking back to mom and dad, it was like, it was just, it made her want to weep. And as a matter of fact, as she got to the, the checkout line with the cashier, the cashier is actually weeping at this point. The cashier of Target, who's probably seen all kinds of breakdowns and meltdowns and all kinds of stuff with kids, is weeping. But that reflects something in the parents and the kid. There's chaos. There's confusion. There's anger. It's reflective of something in the parents. Now, as we turn in the way in which we use our gift that as well is also reflective of our Heavenly Father. So we have a way in which we can go about ministering and caring for people. It says, my desire, my longing is to bless, is to care for, is to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. That is what I want to do in such a way that people can say, you know what, that is the ministry of Jesus Christ being continued on in the life of the church. And that is what our desire is, as God's people. So I want to encourage us, come ready on a Sunday morning, or to Life Share Group, or to your dinner, or to lunch after church, or to hanging out with your friends. Come ready to serve and to bless and encourage. You know what, here's the beautiful thing. Look, when it doesn't come from the front, or when it doesn't come from you know, what we would call professional ministry. Man, I feel like it's, for, for, for us, it's, so, it's almost so much more authentic. Look, like, I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm just, this is who I am. I remember, this is probably a few months ago, Larry Barker came up and gave a, a testimony, and it, I remember talking with people after the service and then weeks after the service, and people were still talking about Larry's testimony. I'm like, man, I'm up here every single week. No one remembers anything that I say. Larry speaks for like two minutes, and everyone's talking about it for weeks on end, you know? But here's the thing. Coming from one another as family, not from the front, not from the professional, it, I feel like, man, it has such an impact. It has such an opportunity to impact one another. I want to encourage you. Encourage us. Let's take seriously God's charge to come ready and prepared to serve and to bless and to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ in our midst. 
That is what is so powerful. Because Jesus Christ has not pulled back from the church. He's actively engaged through you and I to each other. And this will build up and strengthen and reflect the very nature of God himself. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we ask that we would be your people and carry on your ministry in such a way that it would reflect who you are. God, I pray that you would help us to remember and come prepared. God, whether it's at a Sunday morning or it's at a meal or it's at a life share or it's at date for eight, God, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would would deposit something in us and we know that you have that we could bring and share with other people for their edification, for their building up, for their strengthening. God, please prepare us. Please help us. God, we long for that. God, we desire that. We want to see your name exalted above every name. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.